Welcome to the Nobody Told Me That podcast. My name is Teresa Duncan, and my goal is to share information that you probably weren't thinking about. I love preparing my friends for situations that may come completely out of the blue. I also want to share with you many of the tidbits I picked up over the years. If you absolutely have to tune out before the end of the show, make sure you check out the show notes for more details and information on today's topic. And thank you so much for making me a part of your day. Welcome back for another episode of Nobody Told Me That, and we are going clinical for this episode. It is my pleasure to have my friend Jennifer Sider on the podcast with me. Hey, Jennifer. Hello. How are you? I am good. I'm good, and I'm really glad that we're getting to talk this morning. And for those of you who have been listening a while, you know I do a pregame with the people who are on the podcast just to kind of get a heads up and and we almost forgot to start recording the podcast because we were just talking about life in general and all this stuff. That's how long we've known each other, right? That's right. It was very nice to catch up. Yes. So I met, it's, well, actually, let me just tell you who Jennifer is and why she's on <laughs> the, the podcast. She's with a company called Microblink DX. What they do is they do testing for pathogens. And you know, I love to talk perio. I love to talk perio coding. When we caught up the other day, I thought it would be good to really go clinical with listeners of this podcast because sometimes they they know that there's bleeding, mm-hmm. they know that there's bone loss, but they don't understand, or they may not know the underlying pathogen or reason why there's all mm-hmm. this bone loss. So are you okay to go like super clinical? With yes, I love it. It's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> and so podcast listeners, one thing that you should know is when I met Jennifer, I don't, it has to be 15, 14, 15 years yeah. Something like that. I know. I hate to date ourselves. I know. We were at an under one roof with, which if you're not familiar with it, it's it's pretty much a big annual meeting for hygienists. And it's very, very clinical in nature, lots of clinical courses. And you and I were at a reception or, or something mm-hmm. and we started talking. And what I really appreciated about you was as soon as I told you I was an office manager, you didn't just kind of go eh, and walk away like very many people did. You knew the value then of the office manager to the practice in making these decisions. So I have to give big kudos to you. The office managers are key, um, especially if there's, you know, making changes and they make things happen in the office. I mean, they're the ones that look at the numbers and look what's going on. And um, so they are definitely key. Yeah, was that in Chicago? I was going to ask you, was that in Chicago? I think it was under one roof. It might have been. It's, you know, there's been so many. <laughs> I know. The sad part is there was so many, and now here we are. We have to remember all the... (laughs) I know. It's all memories now. We don't get to go on the road, right? (laughs) Yes, that's right. That's right. Listeners, we were talking earlier, like I live very close to an airport, and we planned that strategically, and now my husband's looking at me like, why are we living near an airport now? (laughs) We don't really need it. So it's it's a whole different life change here. So can you talk a little bit about that too? I mean, with COVID-19, you've been off the road. You still have to keep in touch with all of these offices. Did did the focus go away from testing for a little bit? Yeah, so we were, I mean, like everybody totally shut down for eight weeks where we shut down. I mean, dentistry yeah. was shut down. And then uh, whenever dentists started back up or dental teams started back up, they were just saw a lot of emergencies and just putting out a lot of fires. And so we really did, I mean, we really did not get rolling again good really until mm, three, four months in. 
So, and we're still not back. We're still not back. I think a lot of it has to do with maybe just the patients are still trying to catch up from, from the time they were off. You know, the same with medicine. I know that a lot of medical doctors are still trying to catch up from those patients that cholesterol, diabetes, you know, because just because we have COVID, we're still living and, you know, we still have high cholesterol and bleeding gum tissues and, and everything else. So going back to what you talked about with, um, you know, we're not going to any more shows really, and we're kind of home-based now or office-based. It was kind of scary, but now I'm, I kind of like it. I kind of want to do maybe one or two shows a year. And then it's kind of pushed us to do something that, you know, we're not used to. Uh, you know, when we first started to do video calls, it was kind of awkward. And mm-hmm. now it's, it's, it's good. I like it. It's no it. big deal. It's no big deal. You come to terms with the fact that the person you're talking to probably isn't wearing an appropriate outfit below the waist, right? You yeah. just kind of come yeah. to terms with that. <laughs> And yours is a very visual medium. So just before we get started into talking about the pros and cons of the product, listeners, you know, I don't usually like push a product. So honestly, if this doesn't float your boat, that's fine. But the information she's going to give us about the pathogens and and the impact on peri disease that you should listen to so that you are a better treatment coordinator when you're talking to the patient. And that way you have a good idea of what's going on in the back. So before we get started, can you describe what your product is and what it does? And then we can go Mm -hmm. from there into the clinical aspects. Yep. So our test is a bacterial test that will detect the 11 pathogens linked to periodontal disease. It will also tell you how much bacteria the patient has. And then we will also give you, if you wish, a suggested antibiotic that you could put the patient on during therapy. Of course, that is optional. Um, There's a lot of different protocols that folks like to use. Some do like to use the antibiotics. Some would, you know, wish to do other things, which is fine. We we sometimes call it to patients a culture, even though it's not an actual culture, it's a DNA PCR. So we're testing the DNA of the dead bacteria. So it's not a live culture. Uh, but when referring to patients, you could say a lot, you know, we're doing a culture because they understand a culture similar to, let's say, a strep throat culture. Mm-hmm. So that's, that is the base of our test. We give you a report and we'll tell you exactly all that information. And then you can also give that report to the patient. You should give the report to the patient. In my opinion, it's a pretty report. It's a very visual report. It's got all the colors that I like to use to scare patients. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh yeah. So you are using paper points? That's correct. Okay. So can you explain that? Yep. So we use paper points that go down into the base of the pocket. So our each kit comes with paper points and a tube and an order form, of course. So you would take the paper points, place them down into the deepest pockets, and then place those paper points back into a tube. Um, so regarding paper points, I know we're talking to some office managers here, very similar to the endo points that they, the doctor would use during a root canal. Uh, but these are a little bit softer, so they're designed to absorb moisture. Um, so they're not quite as stiff as what an endo point would be, but it's in the same type of packet as an endo point. And so that's what how we are able to collect the bacteria. Uh, we talk about the deepest pockets, and so that's where we're going to be able to collect the most uh, anaerobic bacteria. Anaerobic meaning the ones that live without oxygen, the ones that are really causing the damage and the ones that, you know, were considered linked to systemic conditions. 
but you don't necessarily have to place them all into the deepest pocket. You can even do a tongue swab. Um, if you've got a patient that doesn't say have a lot of pocking, maybe an implant case, mm -hmm. then you can take around the implant. Um, so you can really take the paper points wherever you want. That's just a way that we can collect the bacteria and place them into a little tube. The tube is, um, I would say, maybe two inches long. So it's just an empty tube. And then you place the paper points on it, screw the little cap on, and then put it back into the kit. Very easy. It is very easy. I remember looking at it, you know, years ago, and you've obviously evolved with the, the clinical part of it and the testing. And managers, this is, a, and dentists too, this is a really good thing to have if you want to use it. So the kits are free, right? It's mm -hmm. the testing that when you actually do it is when you pay for it. So if you're considering this, you know, get in touch with her and let her know. So that mm -hmm. is going to be the, it's not even sales because I think it's such a, a big, huge benefit to, to the practices to have this. Right. And that's, I think what's, you know, I'm so passionate about periodontal disease and diagnosing it. And, you know, even if you don't want to do bacterial testing, just diagnose it and treat the patient. Let the patient know that bleeding gums, that's not healthy. Healthy gums do not bleed. You've got to come up with a plan and to treat the patient because they cannot be walking around with an infection in their mouth and it's the largest gateway into the rest of the body. And so uh, do something. By doing our culture, it really lets you know how bad the infection is. It gives you another tool of a measurement, but you've got to do something to do a diagnostics. So let's go down to the foundations of it. And you're very clinical, obviously, hygienist. So yeah. you, you know what you're talking about. And I am not a hygienist. So let's pretend you're teaching me about the bacteria and all that. So from what I understand, the gum disease is, is caused by bacteria that's kind of going in there. But it's not just one bacteria. It's a couple bacteria. Is that correct? Right. So we know there's about five to 700 types of bacteria in the mouth. And we do know that there's 11 that are linked to periodontal disease, meaning there's 11 that are making the gums bleed and that are also causing bone loss. And so we're just concerned about those 11 pathogens uh, because we do know, like, for example, if you've got pustules on your throat and they're going to do a culture, you know, the doctor's only going to culture that one strand that causes strep throat. You know, you really don't need a, you know, a culture of everything because they may not be causing, of course, the disease. Will all 11 pathogens be present or what happens with that situation? Right. So occasionally, yeah, we do have some patients. We'll see reports that come back. And so our report, we talk about a report, but um, I know we're not visual here. I'll link one. So basically with the, all the colors of the report, you know, it depends if there's color is above the antibiotic threshold line to when we recommend a systemic antibiotic, but not necessarily will you have all the pathogens present. Uh, I would say majority of the time, no. Uh, we do see some cases that come through that will have all the pathogens. And, you know, we often think, oh my goodness, what's going on there? <laughs> it's not good. So usually I would say patients do not have all the pathogens. Uh, they will just have a select few. And of course, it also depends on, on the patient's clinical. I mean, if they, um, you know, how, how bad the infection is. Instead of getting it tested, couldn't I just throw a whole bunch of antibiotics at it? Yeah. And then, so that would be a bit overkill. Okay. So for example, like we never recommend or suggest a, a Z-pack because it's a broad spectrum. So it really just kills everything. So with our test, um, we know exactly what type of antibiotic 
will kill, for example, what type of bacteria. So our test is will tell you exactly what antibiotic to recommend. So it's not just a shot in the dark. Is that why some some antibiotics, like you'll, because we used to do this, we used to prescribe. Amoxicillin and metronidazole yeah, every time. And it didn't work. And, and we're like, why? Is that why? Because we were giving them the wrong type for the wrong drink. Right. There's several different types of antibiotics. So we also have a guide that, that the doctor can use. So let's say a patient, let's say we do recommend metronidazole on the report and the patient comes in and says, eh, I don't want to take that. We have a guide to tell you exactly what type of bacteria is present and then what antibiotic will treat that type of bacteria. So this is like having a little biology class. I love it. <laughs> With the, the pathogens that are in there, I hear P. gingivalis talked about the most. For some reason, mm-hmm. that's like the big one. Oh, is that kind of what started it all? Like, because somebody identified that, it just seems like that's the one that I hear about all the time. Well, that is the one I would say is... I wouldn't say the most pathogenic, but it is the one that's definitely just your good old fashioned periodontal disease. So for example, and I hate to say this kind of stuff, but if like if you're at the somewhere and you can smell periodontal disease, you're, Ew. you know, in yes. <laughs> I know I hate to talk about this way to not to a non-clinical person, but you know what I'm saying, or you're on an airplane and you're like, I know this patient has periodontal disease. I can smell it. That's usually the, the uh, PG, yeah. gingivalis. Okay because it just has that distinctive periodontal disease odor. And then also on a Petri dish, which is what you would like an agar slab, it actually grows dark, kind of a blackish color. So I don't know. I mean, you're not being clinical here, but even if you look at the gum tissues and sometimes they look purpley or dark, sometimes that P. gingivalis will look that way, but it just puts off a terrible odor. But P. gingivalis is the one, it is a tissue invasive pathogen, is scaling and root cleaning resistant so that means you can go in and scale all day and it's not going to touch P. gingivalis. So it actually goes into the tissue. Okay, so hold on a second. That's really important because I've done so many case presentations about gum disease and the scaling mm-hmm. and root cleaning and all of that. So, so if P. gingivalis is, there, is in there and they're, like you said, going all day, it's only if it's paired with a medicine that you'll be able to tackle it? Not necessarily. If you're able to get in there, like with an ultrasonic, a lot of folks like a laser, that also works well. The concern is, is, is it systemically? You know, they're finding P. gingivalis on the arterial walls of the heart. Oh. You know, that's, that's also a concern. Okay. So my pre- treatment coordinators, one thing that I love about the reports that you give is there's little graphics. Like if this bacteria is associated with the heart, there's a little heart picture if this bacteria yes. is associated with, what mm-hmm. is it, females, you have a... The pregnancy, the brain, and diabetes, and lungs. Uh, yeah, my marketing guy, I, he makes it makes it nice for the patient. Because we like to have everything to where the patient can also understand. Because we have to get patient involvement. Right. And so that's that's my key with this. And what are also our brochures, all those little little icons also coordinate with our brochures. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about those different systemic... From what I remember, it's the heart, obviously. Mm-hmm. The brain, I don't know much about, so I'd love for you to talk about that. Pregnant women, I have kind of a story about that. And mm-hmm. diabetes, all that. can we just kind of go over the systemics? Yeah. Well, and this is also what we have to remember, too, is, you know, there's there are studies out talking about each bacteria and how it's linked systemically. But we also cannot forget this. So an infection in the mouth, like, like, for example, let's say you have an infection in your toe, the size of your mouth mm-hmm. <laughs> on your foot. 
or let's say your arm, let's just do your arm because okay. that way it's, so the amount of gum tissue in your mouth is what is on your forearm. Wow. So if that entire forearm is infected and bleeding, how is that going to affect if you're pregnant or if you're diabetic? So it's going to affect anything systemically. So, but there are certain studies out or some studies out correlating some of our specific pathogens to systemic diseases. But I just don't want to get away from, hey, it's an infection. And so it's going to affect the patient systemically regardless. Right. And sometimes it's kind of hard to, you know, really direct a certain bacteria with a certain disease. Mm -hmm. And we're getting there, Um, you know, back in 2005, when we first started, there wasn't any studies out on, you know, of course, the first one will be heart disease. But, you know, you're talking about pregnancy. I know you said you had a story on that. But the fusobacterium, that's the one that this study was out quite a while ago, but how uh, it was found on in a stillborn's lungs, mm. fusobacterium, for it to make its way from the mother's mouth to the, to the baby. Wow. Right. And it's also really hard to, to get this type of information. You know, we don't know if there's been any other pathogens. Are they testing for this stuff? You know what I mean? So that's the whole key is when something happens, we can't run to the door of someone and say, hey, can you test for this or that of one of our bugs? Yeah, I mean, that's what I was thinking is how on earth did they even think to test the lung for that? Yeah. That must have been a, I don't, gosh, what a great corner to do that, honestly, because that's how you find, you chase these things down and find that out. Right, exactly. What I was going to share with you is that we worked with an in vitro organization. Mm -hmm. There were studies coming out, and this is over 20 years ago, that linked low birth weight and also infertility. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't say linked. It was, like you said, correlated. There was some sort of connection there. And so we were working with this IVF and people who were going to spend $40,000 on in vitro, if they had a mouth that was jacked up, they're risking Mm -hmm. harm. It was the doctors that were telling them this, the the IVF Mm -hmm. doctors. They told them this and it was like an immediate referral over. It was a really good source, but it made sense to us that if you're going to bring this baby into your, into your life, you want to get rid of all the infection as much as you can. I sometimes feel like there's this disconnect of like the dentist. I mean, that your mouth is in your body. It's not in a wagon that you're dragging around and it's also in your skull and it's close to your brain, close to your major arteries. It's the largest gateway into the body. Right. And if you're this is blazing infection in there, well, you know, what is that going to do to the rest of your body? You know, and that this is why I go back to the test is how do we know if it's infected? I mean, how do how can you do you look at someone and say, oh, they're, they don't have high cholesterol or they don't have high blood pressure. You have to have a test to determine if they do have it. And so that's the thing with bacterial testing. And I think that's what really took me over back in, you know, 2005, 2006, I was seeing healthy, what I thought were healthy patients that had some bad pathogens that had a low grade infection in their mouth. And my thing is, is I want to offer, I don't want to decide how healthy my patient is. To me, it's not my job. I want to tell them all the services that we offer and that they can decide how healthy they want to be. And that's the same with me. This is huge. So we, as even treatment coordinators, we're not quote unquote clinicians, but I know many of us, we feel, we take it personally when they don't move forward with their Mm -hmm. care because we think, oh my gosh, we laid it out for you. Why don't you want to be healthy? And we start like, what did we do wrong? How come they're not listening to us? But you're right. It is up to the patient. You let them know the pros and cons and they are ultimately in charge of their own health. 
And the only thing you can do is, you know, let them know what's going on and educate them. And um, you'll give them the information. Everybody wants to be healthy mm -hmm. with human nature. We want to be healthy as we can. But you really, healthy people do not have infected mouths. So you're only, you know what I mean? You do not see someone like extremely healthy that has an infection in their mouth. And, you know, it's funny because you, you're saying that about P. gingivalis. And, and up at the front, we have always joked that we can diagnose uh, scaling and replaning during the new patient visit because we can sure. smell it. But, yeah, on the airports. Well, actually, you know what? Maybe everybody wearing masks I think is a good thing. I think that preserves our noses. Well, and maybe they can smell it themselves. Right? <laughs> he knows. He's so retired firefighter, and he's, he'll say, I think they have periodontal disease. <laughs> well, you know, if his untrained nose can smell it. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, and especially you just don't have just P. gingivalis. You know, they all work together as well. You know, they all feed off of each other. And so if you do have P. gingivalis, you're going to have some of the other pathogens as well. So what about the brain? Now, I know that if the tooth abscesses and... There's that infection that spreads. I mean, we had Diamante Driver, the young boy in Maryland that passed away because of that. When you say it affects the brain, are you talking about the perio-specific bacteria? Yeah, so there's there's a new study that came out linking Alzheimer's and P. gingivalis. This was last, let's see, what year was this? Last year, uh, there's a pretty big study out. And so that's why it is important on those patients. And it's still a little bit... You know, they're still in the works on finding more information, but that's why it is important if you do have a patient that has a family history of Alzheimer's, you definitely don't want them running around with P. gingivalis or PG. Interesting. I don't really think anybody should be running around with PG. Right. <laughs> and there was a study a little bit ago about prostates. It was linked to prostate cancer. Oh, and yeah. I was like, okay. why everybody should be running in? Like all the men, if yeah. you say prostate, like usually they're just like, let's go, let's fix this. Let's go. <laughs> Not to change the subject a little bit, but I know that you have uh, dogs, mm -hmm. but you do you know, do know that sometimes if they'll do a little bit of blood work, and I've had this happen to, to one of my dogs, they'll do blood work. Oh, they have a little bit of infection. Let's go ahead and give them an antibiotic for their mouth, they'll tell you. Yeah. And then they'll also do a dental. Yes. You know, they call them dentals. And they put the they put the dog on an antibiotic before the dental appointment. Oh, to reduce the inflammation. Yeah. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. So if you ever get your uh, dog a dental appointment at their vet, they're likely to do that. We get our dogs, I've got three dogs, so it's super expensive. We get our dog's mm -hmm. teeth cleaned every year, sometimes twice a year. My oldest one twice a year, just because, you know, just because. It's interesting because they take, I think, the education a little bit more seriously than some offices. They actually take the pictures while they're out. You know, they take the pictures of, of mm -hmm. the teeth before and after they start, and they're really beautiful high-res pictures. They um, will write down, you know, what they found. They'll give me a nice report, and they'll talk about how this tooth is better than last time. And they'll give me progressive reports. And there's offices that don't, they don't do that. I love the, no. the comparison feature in perio charting. Every software has perio charting, right? And Florida Probe is great at this, too. You can compare where you were and show the patient the progression of their pockets. Let's do that. Let's do that. So it's pretty bad when my vet gives out better perio reports than some offices. That's true. And then that's the same with our result reports. So a lot of times, you know, we've got customers that do multiple tests on a patient over the several years, and they have all those reports to look at to see, hey, 
you know, getting better and then something happened here. So what do we got going on? So you have, you have all that information and which is really nice. And so, and it, I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy, but do you ever use my fitness pal? Have you heard I have it? not used it, but yeah, I've heard of it. Okay. So you can go back and look at also your weight. And I just did this yesterday. I saw a picture of myself and I went in and I had to go back and I thought, what did I weigh then? And I had weighed myself that, that and you know what I mean? I, you just have the, having the information is so important. Documentation. Well, and I think a lot of yeah. people during COVID that there's going to be like a line going up on their, my fitness pal. <laughs> I think a lot of us have, uh. Have done put on the COVID nineteen, oh, you know <laughs> the COVID nineteen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And even periodontally, I think a lot of people have. We've seen some pretty good reports. I say good reports, but bad reports if you're a patient. Good reports. You, you know what I mean? It's always good to have, also have information because if you're doing a test, you want something uh, that way you can treat it. And so, you know, like I said, healthy gums don't bleed. But we've also noticed an increase in that as well. I think a lot of people stayed home that should have come in to get their regular cleaning or they weren't diagnosed or yeah. even the, their systemics didn't get treated either. So yeah. then that uh, uh, added to it. I mean, the WHO basically said stay out of dentist office. And then I think the other day I saw something on Good Morning America that said the dentist office is absolutely safe to go to. You should not put out, you know, you shouldn't put it off. And I'm thinking, my gosh, the public. I mean, if we're hearing conflicting reports, who knows what the public's hearing? Who knows? And I'm glad that offices are saying that they're busy, but I know offices, some are not busy. So you think there's been an impact then? I mean, I feel like there's been an impact. I think so. And then people are also off their daily routine. You know, they're off their morning routine, brushing routine. I mean, you remember during that COVID shutdown? I mean, oh yeah. No, I was in pajamas until noon. No, for sure. I was in pajamas. <laughs> I mean, we were doing Zoom happy hours with our, I mean, we were just, so yeah, you didn't even know what day it was. And it, But anyways, I think that had an effect as well. Going back to the brain, I'm sorry, not the brain. I wanted mm -hmm. to talk about the heart because that's kind of near and dear yeah. to me. My, my dad has had two heart attacks in his lifetime and he's still with us and he's doing good now. Mm -hmm. But whenever I see anything about heart disease, I, I perk up because also... I have a big family history, my grandparents, every, I mean, so both sides. So I do need to worry about that. Can you talk about what you've seen as far as studies with the heart? There's a lot of studies with the heart, but really it also comes, it all comes down to <clears throat> inflammation. So fire, um, there's an actually a really good video and I'm going to email it to you that maybe you can link it to this. Yeah. Yes. It's all, it's by Sunstar talking about the link between um, periodontal disease and the heart. And it really is an amazing video goes into great graphics. I've never seen a video oh, like this great. before. It's called communication cells. It basically talks about how the bacteria, you know, because the pocket is ulcerated. Um, and so that bacteria can go through those ulcerations and it actually shows you how the bacteria goes through the ulcerations and then makes its way around the body systemically. Wow. Yeah. So when you have inflammation, that's just fire. And so it definitely has an impact on heart disease for sure. You know, and just think, think about redness. You know, I always go back to the arm, perio links, uh, Catherine Gilham. She talks about treating periodontal disease like a wound. And I love that part of her course because it really is a wound. What's interesting is it used to be a small gash. Do you remember? It used to be a small gash on the hand. And now 
we're not afraid to say it's much bigger than just a small gash. It really is a huge surface area in the mouth. Right. Think about this too. Whenever you go and you wash your hands, they don't bleed because they have a different type of skin. You know, our mouth is just skin. You know, they're they're not supposed to bleed. It's of course a different type of skin. And that's the same thing is, you know, you do not want them to bleed. So even, you know, even if you are, if you go in and you scratch it pretty good, it doesn't bleed. But if that was a wound and you were to scratch it, it was, it would bleed. And it's also red and hot and inflammation. One of the courses that I took a long time ago, and I really can't remember, it was either Betsy Reynolds or Dr. Nagelberg. I really can't remember which one, but one of them said, inflammation is everything. Inflammation is what we need to look at. And, you know, that just kind of went into the corner of my mind. And there's a podcast I listen to. It's called The Drive by Dr. Peter Atia. He's a doc- medical doctor, very systemic oriented. And he had somebody in to talk about just nothing but inflammation and how we think of inflammation as just like arthritis or maybe a little bit of a balloon thing. But really, when the whole body has inflammation throughout it, that's irritating all these different diseases. Is that what you're talking about? Like the kind of fire? Is that what you're Mm -hmm. talking about? That's correct. All right. It's interesting to tie that into the mouth, though, because like you said, people kind of divorce the mouth from the body. And, and also think about this, whenever they, a patient comes in and they say, hey, I need a clean bill of health, I'm going to get my hip replaced, orthopedic surgeon sends something that says, is this patient dentally healthy? You know, what did we do before? We just looked to see if there was cavities, but that's not really what they're looking for. They're looking for infection. Right. There's been a lot of um, talk lately. I know a lot of dentists, uh, the dental hacks have talked about this on their podcast. Dr. Spear was talking about it. There's more failures of implants nowadays. Are you hearing that as well? Mm -hmm, For sure. Is that specific to one type of bacteria? I would say no on that because, you know, you cannot place an implant into a bed of infection. And so um, I wouldn't say definitely we haven't noticed a link to a specific pathogen because we know that these particular 11 pathogens would be, you know, would definitely have the risk of an implant failure if they were present. And so that's why it's really nice if the patient is coming in and they do want an implant during that consult, the doctor can say, hey, let's grab a quick culture to find out what what we're dealing with um, when it comes to bacterial wise, because we definitely don't want to place an implant into infection. And if if it is positive, you know, my question is, why did that, why is that tooth gone now? I mean, (laughs) so that's interesting. Yeah. Treatment coordinators think about that and, and doctors think about that if patient lost it because of perio disease. Yeah. And so they may need to go, they may need to go through the perio program first and then come in for the implant, but you've got to place that into a healthy mouth. So if there's perioimplantitis going on, it is super important. It sounds like to specify exactly which bacteria you're prescribing something for, because if somebody spent a lot of money on implants, oh my gosh, you don't want that to fail. No. And so this may be also something that if the if they're having problems with the implant, we could um, recommend a systemic antibiotic for that particular pathogen. After I heard that podcast, I heard it, I talked to other offices and they've also been noticing too. I mean, there's been an uptick in having to replace implants. And there's a lot of implants being placed now too. I mean, so that's, it's going to happen. You know, we've seen a lot of implants being placed in the last, what, 10 years. And 20 years ago, we started seeing a lot of the implant companies break out and do their marketing towards GPs rather than the specialists. So yeah, you're right. Absolutely. So that correlates. And 20 years is enough time for you to start to see if it's working or not. Oh, so yes. It's, it's a good study period. That's right. And we've, we've been doing this 
you know, for a while now. So for 15 years, we've been doing bacterial testing. So we've kind of been able to kind of follow with that. I'm just trying to understand, is there one that goes by age? Because what's interesting to me is when the young people come in with really bad gum disease and they're like between 12 and 17 and they're needing scaling Mm -hmm. and root cleaning at that point. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing P. gingivalis is included in that, but is there something else going on? Wait, yeah, so there also is AA, which is our far, far peak pathogen. It's a faculty pathogen, and we do see that a lot with juvenile periodontitis. Is that because of their diet? How does that get there? Yeah, so, well, I mean, they just, it's also a lot to do with, I mean, how, how do you get strep throat sometimes? Who knows? By, <laughs> yeah, by somebody. And so that's why it's so important for mothers, especially not, you know, how you see someone take the pacifier and yes. lick it off and give it to the patient. I don't know if people are still doing yes, that now. Are. Of course, terrible. But or they eat after each other, and so you know we know that periodontal disease is communicable. So you have to be very careful. You know, not just worried about COVID and strep throat, but also periodontal disease. <laughs> so you know, how do you get strep throat? So it's just very similar. And so we also have to remember these pathogens also live amongst each other. And so once you have the first layer of biofilm. Um, and then you have you have the environment for each of them to live with each other. And so then they just start growing. And so just because you have one, uh, then usually that means that it's going to start progressing if you don't keep that under control. And so that's why it is important if you do take a test and you get a result report on a patient and um, there is pathogens to really also watch that patient. So that's why it's a lot of our a lot of our customers also like to do follow up tests. That way they can make sure that the patient is not relapsed. Ah, okay. So to keep those levels down. Mm-hmm. Let me just back up a second, because one of the most gross things that I found out when I was assisting is that perio disease is transmissible, mm-hmm. like when kissing. And when I learned this, I was single. So it was very distressing. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, and Nor- poor Norman, my husband, when we started dating, I was like, oh, you got to come get your teeth clean. I wanted a clean bill of health, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think all, I, yeah, try, yeah, my husband's the same way. They, he's like, are all you hygienists the same? I said, yeah. Everybody in dentistry, they should do. Everybody's hard. A second date is at the dentist. That's what I want you to do. <laughs> so yeah, it definitely is communicable. And so if you are treating the one spouse, then it's always good to treat them together. And that way, um, you know, we can get rid of the infection in both parties. And then also get rid of the toothbrush, you know, treat it like strep throat. You get rid of everything, you know, or sterilize it. And that way you can start fresh and you're constantly not being reinfected again. These are all really good talking points. I hope if you're listening that you're kind of writing this down because because talking about that transmission and there's delivery, you know, because I have talked about with patients, but I delivered it. It was different with patients, like patients I was really comfortable with. I would, you know, joke around with it and patients who are a little bit more stern, I would just, you know, be very clinical about it. When they hear it, they're like, wait, what? Like, they really don't get that part that it's transmissible amongst, you know, people. Well, and that's why I like to use the word culture, strip throat, those type of verbiage, because they get that. You know, they know that's contagious and they know what a culture is. And that when you say the word culture, they know you're talking about a bacterial infection, usually. Yes. So those are common words um, that we're used to hearing. Patient, patients get it. To me, patients are so easy. But you know what? They're easy because you have really great visuals. Because honestly, those visuals are super, I'm telling you guys, you download a sample of it. I'll link it. 
you can see how easy it is. The talking points are there. In case they don't download it or they're not able to because they're in the car right now, how do you discuss it with the patient? Do you go a little bit clinical with them or do you keep it in generalities like you were just saying, like the strep or like how much of the report do you go over with them? You have to read every patient. You know, we're kind of getting used to doing that, of course, as dental hygienists and office managers. But um, you can kind of read the patient. If they want more information, we also have this interpreting the results guide. Um, I think that's what you're also referring to. It really goes into each bacteria. But I like to say that, um, you know, like, like I said before, is we're looking for the 11 pathogens. Um, I'm so glad we took this test because if there's bleeding gum tissues, more than likely we're going, we'll, we'll be able to grab a, some bacteria. I'm so glad we took this test because you definitely do have an infection. And most generally, patients really, I would say, generalize. They don't really care about the details of each bacteria. And that's why it's nice that we can provide this interpreting the results because it can give them just enough information. And we have each pathogen listed real nicely. So all they have to do is Google it, and then they'll be knocking at the door. If they Google B. gingivalis, they'll, I mean... WebMD will have them. <laughs> Let WebMD be the treatment coordinator. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, they don't really have, sometimes less is more. One of my favorite hygienists I've ever worked with, and she, she's still at the office, she would get into the parts per million of fluoride and all that kind of stuff. And I, I had to say, you know, just, they really don't care. Just say it does a good job, you know, but, but it is, yeah. it's, it's hard when you're dealing with that in the, in the lab and, and being clinical, you know, it's just like with dentists. I don't want them to say titanium implant. That's not what they're looking for. So when you see them for the comprehensive evaluation is when you want to do this, the testing. Right. You can, you can really do this anytime, really. So the main thing is with this, you want to make sure and do a bacterial test before you use the ultrasonic. So that's key. And then another thing is, is make sure the patient has not been on an antibiotic within six to eight weeks. What is the reason for that? Because it, it won't be a true bacterial load? Well, it should be if the patient is on an active antibiotic, ideally the bacterial load should be lower um, because, you know, if the patient is not resistant to some ah. pathogens. And so you want that way we would get a real true bacterial load um, and that way nothing's lower um, so that's ideal to, you know, just say, Hey, have you been on any type of a new medication? And they, sometimes patients don't even know if they're on an antibiotic. They just know that they're on something. But what, what's also nice about our test is, so let's say you have a patient that you've been seeing every six months and you're really trying to convert that patient into a perio patient. You know what I mean? The five millimeters one time and then a three and just bleeding and you just can't seem to, to get it. You can take a sample and then just tuck it to the side. And that way, as you're talking to the patient, you're, you already have a good sample. Because sometimes when you get in there and start, you know, using the ultrasonic or start, you know, using instrumentation, that you really open up some bleeding. And so you already have a really good sample. And then let's say the patient decides, nah, I don't want to, then you can just toss it. It's no big deal. We're not stressed because um, our kits are free. And so we send them out to you for free. But that's a good way to make sure you get, you do get a good sample. So if you think you want to sample the patient, go ahead and grab the sample. And then just tuck it behind you. And that way, when the patient says, yes, let's do peri let's go on to perio treatment, you already have a good sample. I'm really glad you said that because that's one of the toughest conversations I have to have when I'm training treatment coordinators is they always say, what about the patient who has to have perio done, 
but doesn't, are we supervising them? You know, there's that whole supervision and all that. I think it's important to change up the message because they start to hear it. And it starts to sound like white noise after a while. Like, oh, I know she's going to talk about that again. So this is a good way to break up the momentum. Yeah. So ideally, it's really good to say, sit them up and say, hey, here's the deal. We have been dealing with this for three years. You know, there is there's some sort of an infection going on. And we really need to do a culture to find out how bad this infection is. And I like to go ahead and say how bad this infection is. Because that's pretty much, if there's bleeding gum tissues and pocketing, we have an infection. And so we need to find out how bad this infection is um, because we may need to do, you know, like I said, we work with so many different offices. Some do paraprotect trays and laser and LENAP. We may need to put you through a specific treatment, a little bit, something different than what we have been doing. Because what we have been doing is not working. Their home care is not working. Any, all of it's not working. So, and that's okay, but we need to do something different. And so I don't, you know, versus blaming the patient, sometimes it's good to say, hey, let's do something different and let's see if we can come up with a different system here that really gets you healthy. I like that because it is important that patients hear us with what we're saying, but sometimes we're not speaking their language at that time. And, and they may say no. And then just, you know, that's fine. Here's some, here's some brochures. And then that way, because our a lot of times um, customers will use our test for patient acceptance of a treatment plan. We know this patient needs it, but it's also sometimes nice to have something to prove to the patient, yes, you do need LENAP or you do need paraprotect trays or laser or, you know what I mean? You do need treatment uh, because you do have an infection. Do offices wrap the cost of the kit into their treatment or do they do it separately? How do they work that? Usually they bundle it. So our kits are free and then you only pay for them as you send them in and we do offer free shipment back to us. Um, so what they will do, especially on those implant cases, they will just tie that into implants. Same with periodontal treatment. Uh, they will just tie that in. They usually tie in two tests of ours, so two bacterial cultures, one initially and then one as like a post-op or a one as in a follow-up visit. And they may not eventually need that. Let's say the patient comes back in and the results look amazing. Then you can tell the patient, hey, I really don't think we need another culture. Everything looks great. Um, you know, if something happens, you know, in a couple of years and we see a relapse, then, you know, we can always do it, do it then. So I'm sure you've heard from offices that are PPO heavy, like we can't afford to wrap that into the cost. Do you have a recommendation for them then? Just let them know how much it's going to be. Yeah. Let them know how much it's going to be. One state that we have found, I don't know if I've told you this before, is Oklahoma's uh, state insurance pays for our test 100%. Yeah, no, that's great. And we have a lot of dental offices um, using medical insurance or medical coding. Again, don't call me for medical coding help, people. I say that almost every podcast when we talk about coding because I am not a medical coding person. I'll put some links in the show notes. Medical coding scares me. It's a lot. And here's the thing is if a lot of times patient files it themselves. They can file it themselves. Here's the code and call your insurance company. <laughs> Here you go. Just, just slide it across the desk. Okay. So I, I can't believe it's already passed. I told, I had told Jennifer about 40 minutes or so, and it's going on almost 50 minutes. We just got kind of into it, which I love. So thanks for hanging in there, Jennifer. How on earth are they going to find you other than the links at the end of my show notes? How can they find you? Yeah, of course. I mean, they can always text me, call me, you know, my number's posted all over. Uh, the one thing that I've been proud of for many years here with our company is I'm the one that answers every single call that comes through here. 
And so, cause I, I really enjoy speaking to the customers and helping and keeps the same message. And so anytime that, um, you know, they want more training, we do free zooms so we can always train up the team if they would like, or, you know, talk to the hygienist and, and we can do many of those. So we just want, we want to really help them because this isn't something that, you know, just is a one-time deal. We want to really build that relationship with the office, but also Instagram. Do you have any? Oh yeah. I get DMs all the time. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. So we're under Instagram as microblink DX. So just our name, M-I-C-R-O-B-E-L-N-K-D-X. I try to really post um, some nice you know, oral systemic information. Right now it's dental hygiene month. And so we're doing that, but I really try to post things that way our offices can re recycle. And so that way they can post it to their patients. So we'll put the show, we'll put that all in the show notes and you kindly offered a deal for my listeners. Yeah. So if you enter in, so you can, if you do want to order some kits, um, of course, you can call us or you can go to our website and order supplies. And there's an area with a promo code. And what you can do is type in Teresa, the name Teresa, whenever you d- add that in. So we will give you a discount on your first 10 samples that you send in. So, yeah. And disclosure, I get nothing. I get absolutely nothing. Honestly, I think it's a, a great system. And anything that gets the patients to accept treatment is I mean, if I can use it, I will. And we're all in this together, honestly. We're all just trying to just, you know, make dentistry uh, what it should be and um, be aggressive and help our patients. So it's going to take all of us working together to do that. So I thank you, Teresa, for reaching out and talking with me. This has been so fun. We are part of the whole process, too. And I love when treatment coordinators come up to me later and they're like, I was able to talk about implants. You went into it just enough that I could talk about implants. And it's, sometimes it's dangerous when you know a little bit, but I get, you know, I try to give them just enough so that they don't sound like they're reading from a book. And what happens is the patient goes up to the um, office manager and says, what did she say? Or what did they, what, what am I doing? And so they really, I mean, the office managers, they really have to know a lot of information. The changes have been substantial in the administrative side. You know, I, I of course can do Zooms for hygienists, but also I would love to chat with office managers because I mean, I told you they're, they're key. And you've been saying it for years. So I know you're <laughs> telling the truth on that. There are some people that, that tell me, oh yeah, managers are the lifeblood. But meanwhile, if you see a manager walk by their booth, they don't even talk to them. So, you know, this is, that's not you. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate you coming on. Yes, thank you. All right. And dear listeners, as always, I am so very grateful for the time that you spend with us. Until the next episode, later. We're all super busy. So thank you for making time for me today. The show notes will have any links that we referenced in this episode. You can also find links for my book and for my live events and webinar schedule. I speak often around the country on management and insurance issues. Come hang out with me in one of my classes. I promise you'll laugh and learn.